You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. The day started off with my publishing to WordPress, a podcast episode from yesterday in which I gave a negative review of a book about how the latest brain science should change the way we do church and approach the Christian life, as well as how we think about theology in the Bible. For some reason, I couldn't get the post to share to Facebook with the featured image showing. So I deleted the Facebook post. The episode is still up on the website and everywhere, really, except for Facebook, because I do think we should be very careful about brain science overhauling our theology. That is my view. People will think I'm a stick in the mud or that I'm an amateur contrarian, but I know my neighbor agrees with me on this, so that's nice. That's a comfort. <laughs> Last night's comments on Facebook from some people I used to know, I still kind of know, but the years and the miles have put space between us. Uh, that stuck with me. That was still bothering me this morning. They felt a little bit like not so subtle swipes at what I read and think about and talk about and podcast about and write about, specifically politics. And the insinuation from their comments is that all the time I spend reading, thinking, talking, podcasting, writing about the political situation is time that I could spend ten telling people about Jesus, about how Jesus died for their sins, and they should believe in their hearts and confess with their mouths that Jesus is Lord. I think I responded politely to their comments, and yet people being people, people will still take umbrage or look askew at that. If I did a really good job of politely saying, this is where I stand on this and here's why, here are my facts, here's my argument. Some are going to be intimidated by that because I put it so well and they don't know what to do with it. Or if I didn't put it so politely as I'd like to tell myself, they're going to think I'm just being a pompous ass. Uh, more than they already thought it. The odds are high that they already thought it, but even more than ever. And honestly, this survey, this post that I made to Facebook, I thought was going pretty well. I asked on my Facebook, just for the fun of it, just generate. I, I wanted to generate some conversation and see what people would say. You know, what uh, does everybody like to talk about? What's your favorite subject and why? I'm just curious. And for my part, I missed church yesterday. I was working my family went, with the exception of Solomon, who was not feeling well. And then everyone came home from church afternoon. We had lunch. I ate mine at my computer because I was still trying to run these missing data reports. 
And then everyone went to a pool party in the afternoon, except for me. Everyone else went to a pool party for the son of some of our friends from church here in Greeley. And my family had a great time. I'm really happy that they had a great time. Lauren and the kids came home very tired, and they were very ready to go to bed after a long day out and about. But again, I stayed home and ran missing data reports for meters and listened to Polybius telling the story of the rise of the Roman Empire. Polybius being a famous Greek historian from the first or second century BC. I'm listening to him because Os Guinness said the founding fathers listened to Polybius and Cicero after a fashion. They read Cicero and Polybius, but they were familiar. They listened to what he had to say, Polybius. They listened to what he had to say, Cicero, and that went into their thinking of matters political, matters of national importance, of cultural importance, of civic importance. Mondays, I usually work remote from home. This morning, I drove to work at the office a little before 0600. An email went out on Friday that we were going to have a safety stand down at 0900 and that we should all be there if at all possible. I didn't know what about, but I was guessing there must have been an accident. Someone must have gotten hurt. Something must have gotten damaged or destroyed, all of the above. And sure enough, that proved true as we got the meeting underway. It was heavy stuff. I'll spare you the details, but it was heavy stuff. Before the safety stand down, I emailed my time in. I couldn't get it entered into NetSuite on my own. And there's something wrong between NetSuite and Pronto Forms. They don't work well together. It's either or. Either you're going to enter your time into NetSuite or you're going to enter your time into Pronto Forms along with work tickets. And then Pronto Forms will populate NetSuite, but not both end. But now, somehow, some way, I need to do both because I'm back to doing field work on my days off as well as the integration work that makes up the bulk of my time. And this is due to inflation so that I can try to keep us out of the credit cards for groceries, clothes, utilities, school supplies. I guess from the response, we'll leave me in both systems for now, whatever that means. (laughs) Hopefully that means that uh, I don't need to worry about still being able to pick up extra shifts on my weeks off. Hopefully also it means I won't have to be entering Pronto Forms tickets for my integration work. So my first good morning of the day at work, the first actual interaction with anybody this morning, bright and early, was a casual, hey, good morning, how are you? And I was working on some trainings. And so I said, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on these trainings here. And that was pretty much the end of the conversation. I was in. (laughs) I texted a mortgage officer I've been working with for several weeks to see if we can get approved for a loan to buy a house here in Colorado. And I don't think the odds are high, but at this point, I would just like to get a straight yes or no. I feel like the mortgage 
loan officer is trying to figure out how to tell me it's just not going to work out. I don't know. But I'm trying to be polite. And so I texted this morning to say, hey, is there anything more you need from me in the way of documentation? Or when do you think you might have news for me? Tomorrow, maybe. Now, another coworker came in about mid-morning, asked how my weekend was. And he's a Christian, too. He was excited to talk about theology and books and the Christian life. And that was really encouraging. I really enjoyed that. And at a certain point, we had to get back to work. But I find myself hoping I didn't say anything that might have offended or upset someone who was overhearing it in the middle of our going back and forth. Surely not, but these days, these days, people might be offended by you asking what their favorite topic is. So all bets are off. About lunchtime, I noticed my wife had texted me that two of our sons had been bickering about working together on the dishes. And she had tried to moderate their bickering. And then that turned into one of the two sons arguing with her about it. And then I noticed that my dad had texted me about how we should stop in more when we're in the neighborhood, when we're in the area. And I texted him back that, well, I'm at work right now, but Thursday you're headed out for Montana and the family reunion. And oh, by the way, what time are you picking up Saul and Dan? Also too, I reminded him of a certain membership to the Greeley Rec Center that we got and which I was encouraging him to get one as well so that he could swing by throughout the week, pick up the boys, maybe take them over to the rec center to work out with him. I think that would be good for all parties concerned. I called my wife on my way to pick up lunch and told her about my mother sending us blankets for the kids. We talked about some frustrations of the day and then I needed to go so I could grab my lunch really quick, get back to the office. You know, I have to admit here, I made a mistake in having neglected to tell my wife that I thought our final answer should be that Saul and Dan would go to the family reunion in Montana. I had talked about it with her, and this was prior to our oldest two sons going to Montana to uh, spend a week with some old friends of theirs. And we had kind of put a pin in it until they would get home and we could kind of see like, hey, you know, how's the summer going? And we don't want to take on too much and have it spread, not just us, but our kids too thin. And they came home and week passed. And I concluded that I do think they should go. And the conversation came up on the 4th of July. My dad asked, hey, what are you thinking as far as that goes? And I just said, yes. And one of our sons was there and he overheard it. And then he was asking Lauren about it and it was news to her. And so she was offended. And my response when she expressed to me that she was offended was rude and selfish. I basically said, I regret nothing. And now he should take them to the reunion and 
I'm the head of the household and it's my decision and I say this is what we're going to do and we talked about it and I'm quite correct. And to be quite honest, I think that I actually undermined my authority and credibility by responding the way that I did. But in the moment, I thought, aha, this will really prove that I am authoritative and decisive and we're going to do what I think is best. And maybe we will, but maybe what I think is best needs to be understanding, considerate. But I got my lunch and I drove back to the office with a couple of phone calls to return once I got there. And one of the calls was to ask if I had built and configured three frack monitors I'd only been sent information on and told maybe today or maybe tomorrow they'd be needed. About 30 minutes before I saw the email, I decided to go get some food about noon. But I called everyone back, made sure they were all squared away. And I was in such a rush because I felt like I was behind the eight ball that I made some silly mistakes and had to undo my configuration, redo my work. It took a lot longer than it really should have by rights. And then I noticed more texts from my wife about our sons continuing to bicker back and forth. And also one of our two sons bickering with her, arguing with her as she was trying to say, hey, this is what it's going to be. And so I slipped out to the parking lot, sat in my truck, called. And I thought, well, maybe I can straighten this out. Maybe I can talk with her. Maybe she can put our son on the line. I can explain to him how this needs to be. Yes, he is feeling a little bit grumpy, but no, he doesn't need to be irritable with his siblings or his mother or anyone, really. And then while I'm on the phone with my son, I hear another one of my sons. And what happened, and I didn't know this in the moment, but what I found out was that our son had tried to pour himself a cup of coffee and he spilled just a little bit on his hand, but it was hot and he burned his hand. And then he dropped the coffee pot on the floor and the coffee pot proceeded to shatter. So I went back inside the office, got off the phone. My wife was taking care of him. My son, I gave instructions to let's make sure we get the coffee pot picked up before that ends up hurting anyone. I'm going to gather up my stuff. I'll head home. And once I was on my way, after checking with my foreman to make sure that was okay with him, if I head home to finish out the day working remote, my wife texts me a picture of our son's hand and I call and she asks if I would be willing to pick up some burn gel. I said, yes. I get off the phone with her, go to the grocery store and I give my cousin Micah a call back. He's got big news. He texted me. I'm in the grocery store looking for burn gel and he proceeds to tell me about how a certain someone we know has a copy of the police report concerning the incident that ultimately led to the removal from the pastorate of Jordan Hall and his ministries, discernment ministries online, discernment ministry bloggers um, know him well. But the long and short of it 
is that a violent incident occurred. And I can hardly bring myself to describe it because it's so awful. And I find myself not in any measure happy or celebrating. I find myself at two in the morning, actually, right now. It's two in the morning as I'm recording this. I find myself at two in the morning unable to sleep in large part because of this. And I hate to share it with you because it's not happy. (laughs) Little of what I just read for you as I was unable to sleep, I sat at my computer and I decided to just type it all out. It was all bouncing around in my head, the business of the day. It just felt like, man, there's a lot of negative today. What? Is it just my imagination or is there a lot of just negative stuff today? There was violence against Jordan's wife, his daughter, his son, two other witnesses. It appears have had their names redacted on the copy of the police report, which has been obtained. This incident occurred on June 5th and June 23rd is when Fellowship Baptist Church in Sydney, Montana, filed a police report. He became violent with his wife, his daughter, his son. A knife was brandished. That's why he was removed as pastor. And this feels a bit like a lose-lose, because if you say nothing, you become part of the scenario. You, You become part of this dynamic, in my view particularly when these things have been hushed up. And yet, at the risk of repeating myself, I warned publicly years ago, not for no reason, that I knew men and women, decent, God-fearing, hardworking men and women, who were afraid for their physical safety because they had upset him. Never would I have imagined his violently attacking his wife, his daughter, his son, brandishing a knife, threatening a knife. He's in rehab now in Missouri. So I guess I don't know what to say. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know nearly so much as the good Lord does. That's putting it mildly. And neither do you. But the good Lord knows what's needed there. And so you look at a situation like this and you think to yourself, Lord, have mercy. And on some level, yes, there is a hope, I guess, that some who had written me off because I warned about him years ago would say, we were wrong. We, we were wrong to ignore you. We were wrong to marginalize you. We should have listened. On, on some level, that would restore me Because I think a number of people did. I think some people who knew I was quite right, but also didn't believe these kinds of things need to be addressed in that way, wouldn't be able for the life of them to tell me how else to address them, except to warn people who were following him, who were imitating him, who were looking to him to shape their view of the church and scriptures the faith, our country, one another, their families, their friends, their neighbors, their work, everything. And yet, 
to warn until you have some kind of a conclusive evidence that you're not just making stuff up, you're not exaggerating, you're not quoting unhinged people who don't know anything. You know, in the absence of, well, let's say, for instance, a police report and an official statement which is trying to, I'm sorry to say, give the wrong impression about what actually happened. We're saying it was a drug addiction. Well, it was a little more than a drug addiction. Let's be honest. Let's do be honest. Let's do provide things honest in the sight of all men. It was a little bit more than a drug addiction. But the Xanax made him do it, I suppose they'll say, when the rest of the truth comes out. You know, it's who wins in this except the good Lord will be proven correct and just and holy and righteous. And I may not always know quite how in a situation like this, but he does, and that's enough for me. But I finished my conversation with my cousin talking about all this and bought the burn gel that I finally found at the grocery store. And then I drove home and I gave it to my wife to give it to our son before hurrying upstairs to plug my laptop back in and call people who had reached out via Teams or text. It was actually fairly short order, but still, I didn't want to keep them waiting and make it not short order. So I got them all squared away, and then I checked on my wife, the children, sat my one son who had been bickering with his mother down, and I will say that I intended to explain patiently and also clearly how it's not acceptable to be irritable with your brother when he does the dishes just because he didn't fill the drying towel completely before he called you back to put away the dishes. And you can't argue with your mother like that when she tells you to just put the dishes away and leave it be. And I could tell he's a smart boy. He's a smart young man, rather. He understood. And I still felt bad for some reason about the way I delivered the facts of life all the same. And maybe it wasn't so much that conversation as it was these others as well. Safety stand down, which you hear about men being hurt. A phone call in which you hear about a woman and children being hurt, knowing by extension that a lot more men, women, and children will be hurt, have been hurt. I got back to work and I turned Polybius back on. But then I turned it back off again and decided to turn on Gavin Ortland, retrieving Augustine's doctrine of creation. Decided to turn that back on and I checked with my neighbor and one of our two pastors to see if they had caught up yet so I could resume the book and we could resume our discussion of the book. And then a thought occurred to me about an essay I wrote about miscegenation in the Bible and I decided to follow up on that as well, asking if there was anything more that needed to be done on it. We had discussed it a little bit over the weekend, myself and Bobby McPherson. And he brought up a good point that I had not thought of. And one of the verses that I mentioned that came to my mind, and he admitted it has come to his mind plenty of times and others as well, 
where it says neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither Jew nor Greek in the New Testament church. We're all in Christ, and Christ is in all of us. You might be careful using that as an argument for interracial marriage if someone will take the very next statement, either male nor female, to try and make an argument about gay marriage. So I reached out and I said, hey, you know, honestly, like I think the piece stands on its own with the other examples given. And if you want me to take it out, I can take that part out. If you want me to write a sentence or two explaining how gay marriage is dealt with plenty elsewhere in the biblical text, I can do that. But just let me know what you're thinking, if you think one way or the other is better. And his wife, to be fair, his wife is due with a baby. She's pregnant, due this week. So for all I know, they're having a baby. And that's a plenty good reason to not get back with me. But then my two sons who are going to Montana for the family reunion, the mullet family reunion. On Thursday, they came in and I gave them instructions. Hey, make sure all your clothes are clean. All your dirty clothes from the basement are brought up to the laundry room so that those can get clean. You can start packing all the necessities for the trip. And then after I was done talking with them about that, I went and stood by my wife and our son as she put some burn gel on a nonstick gauze pad, put that on our four-year-old's hand, wrapped it gently. We talked about whether he has tried to pour coffee for himself other times. And lo and behold, yes, actually, just the other day, he tried to do the same thing. And that was also not the first time. And she told him no. The other times that he tried to do it, and the last time he tried to do it, She spanked him for it because, wouldn't you know, we don't want our four-year-old pouring himself hot coffee because he might burn his hand, for instance, hypothetically. So then I'm having a conversation with our four-year-old about how, son, next time your mom and I tell you not to do something like this, please listen. We don't want you to get hurt. We are trying to love you well. We're trying to warn you because we love you, because we don't want you to get hurt. He seemed agreeable to that, and the wrapping of his burn went well. He seemed to feel much better after it was wrapped. And then I talked with my wife about ordering a replacement carafe from eBay. She found one actually on Amazon. It was even cheaper. It's an off-brand, but it'll do. And then a replacement copy of Settlers of Catan came in the mail from eBay. Our son Eli was very happy. We had a copy of Settlers of Catan before we moved to Colorado, but the pieces just got everywhere and lost, and we ended up just tossing it when we moved instead of trying to put everything back together again. But this one, it looks new to us, and it was half the cost. Eli couldn't wait to play it with his brothers and friends at the next opportunity, nearest opportunity. Actually, he wanted to start a game right away, and I encouraged him to, let's make sure it's not going to be on the dining room table where we're going to be eating soon, or on the second dining room table where your mom might have sewing projects out, school planning to do, to work on. And then about that time, certain Joshua Chavez, aka Service Christy, YouTuber from Albuquerque, New Mexico, called me wanting to talk about 
the situation with Jordan Hall. So we discussed that. He's referenced my articles a time or two. He took my warnings seriously about Jordan Hall. And Joshua, if you're listening, to be clear, I'm not so sure that we agree on everything. I think we probably do not agree on some important things. And if that offends you, then that's not my intention. But just saying, we we agree about Jordan Hall. We may disagree about a number of other things. And I think that's important for my audience to hear as well, given the criticisms that I've given of the response to the fall of J.D. Hall by Chris Roseborough, Justin Peters, Phil Johnson. I, I do believe they had a responsibility to make clear that they were not in agreement where they were not in agreement with Jordan. Uh, and to be clear, I don't see anything in your conduct or life, not that I know you terribly well or are terribly familiar with your work, Mr. Chavez, Joshua Chavez. But from what little I see of titles and videos and things like that, I, th- I think we disagree on a number of things. And I'm content with us disagreeing on a number of things. I just want to be clear. That <clears throat> we do disagree on a number of things. But we do agree on... Jordan Hall. And the important thing here is not just that he may have sinned against us or not sinned against us. The important thing here is the same thing that was really, really important, critically important, essential. Speaking of the gospel, as I was challenged on my Facebook page the other night, the really important thing here is the same really important thing, critically important thing that caused the Apostle Paul, to rebuke Peter to his face at Antioch for having pulled away from the Gentile believers when the circumcision party came to town. The way that Peter was conducting himself, even in as mild an example as that, was undermining the gospel of Jesus Christ. His practice was undermining the gospel. And Paul said as much, very clearly. And then he wrote about it, and we're still reading about it 2,000 years ago. That's not gossip. Neither is it gossip if the truth about Jordan Hall and his treatment of people, his conduct while he was a minister, if that comes out, and it turns out that he was a wolf in sheep's clothing, that is not gossip. But at a certain point, I ended up having to tell Service Christi, Joshua Chavez, I'm going to have to run, I'm afraid. I have music practice at church, but yes, I will send you my current Facebook profile picture for attribution purposes. And then I took my two oldest sons with me to music practice, and I told them on the way about the latest regarding Jordan Hall, because it's important that they understand that character matters. No one should be a minister who would ever choke his wife or punch his daughter or pull a knife on his family, as the police report attests. Able to manage his household well, indeed. That does not qualify. No. And we got to church, my sons and I. The building was very hot. The AC had been turned on by Lucas, but it's a big building. It was going to take a minute. And so I'm sweating. We sang... A lot of familiar songs that I like, but 
I was singing harmony on most of them. And harmony is just not, maybe this is ironic, harmony is just not my strong suit. I get lost. Melody? Yeah, I've got a melody. I can sing melody. Harmony? I struggle very often. And plus also, I think, I don't know if it was my mood from the events of the day, the news of the day, discussions of the day, or if it was the music itself, but I just found myself feeling frustrated. And that's not good. That's not good. In fact, that's silly. And so I come home and it's about 10.30 at night. My wife is getting ready for bed. 10.30 p.m. on a Monday night. It's been a long day for her as well. But then I proceed to tell her all about the day. And I'll be honest, I think I was self-indulgent in my complaining about the events of the day. Now, what I'm not saying is, I'm not saying that it's wrong for me to tell my wife about things that are bothering me, I'm trying to think about, trying to think through. But that's not one and the same thing with what I was doing, which was, dare I say it, self-indulgent, particularly given the fact that she'd had a hard day as well. And again, this goes back to living with your wife in an understanding way. So it gets to be 11 p.m. and she's not feeling well. Her head hurts, her stomach hurts. And we concluded we should go to bed. We should go to sleep. That's enough for today. And that was three and a half hours ago. And I'm recording this right now because I laid awake, tossing and turning. I tried going to sleep and I just tossed and I turned and I felt somewhat tortured inside about how the day went and how my wife was not feeling well, how my son burned his hand, how one of my former familiar pastors, we actually attended his church for a time back in 2014, has ended up in quite a lot of trouble. And I find myself just tossing and turning and thinking about all this and thinking about the random news items that scrolling through Facebook or the Daily Wire or Epoch Times or not to be show up and, oh, here's a story about New York City doing a PSA on if they're struck by a nuke. And here's a little infographic about Russia's submersible nuclear weapons. They're almost impossible to stop. They can cause incredible damage if they reach a target from the ocean. They take a long time to get there, but they're pretty much impossible to stop, is the claim. Oof, that's fun. Do I need to be thinking about that? Maybe I should think a little more local. Well, if I think really local, my son burnt his hand today on some hot coffee. My wife was not feeling so good around bedtime. I didn't handle a conversation about my son's going to a family reunion as considerately as I could have and should have. Mm. Here's what I know after thinking about all this. I know that it's 2.30 in the morning and I should go get at least maybe three hours of sleep. And I know that A lot of this, whether it's personal, whether it's people that I know, whether it's situations that I'm tenuously connected to, a lot of this 
may be my business in some form or fashion. And yet, this is all ultimately, infinitely more God's business. So at a certain point, you have to say, I'm going to do what I can about it, and I'm going to endeavor by God's grace to think rightly about it, and I'm going to say what I believe to be true, and that's my responsibility before God, to tell the truth, to do what's right. I don't believe that grace and truth are opposites. The more grace you have, the less truth. The more truth you have, the less grace. No, 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 no. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. How can he be the truth and also our salvation, our Savior, our Messiah? How can he be the truth while truth and grace would be seen as opposites? No. But grace is truth, or it's part of truth. If we believe God's word is true, and God's word testifies to the grace of God, well, then that is truth. That's not all there is to the truth. But if we don't regard grace at all, then we have made a statement about what we believe and what we don't believe. Now, there is right and wrong. It cannot be all grace. There's such a thing as cheap grace, as Bonhoeffer called it. Paul says, God forbid, to the question of, shall we sin that grace might abound all the more? And yet, he gives more grace for those who are anxious, worried. He gives us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. He gives to his beloved sleep. So, that is to say, these things here that I just listed for you add up to a not-so-good day. (laughs) I'll just be honest with you. And some of my perspective on these things is also not so good. Maybe, and you might be thinking to yourself, maybe part of the reason why your day wasn't so good is because your perspective and your attitude wasn't so good. Could be. Also, it could go the other way. Maybe part of the reason why my attitude wasn't so good is because my day wasn't so good. Maybe both. But do you know what helps me to sleep at night? Remembering that my God is good. And in him, I find my rest. He knows. He will judge rightly. He will keep his promises faithfully. He is great and glorious and worthy to be praised. I got to leave it there. That's all the time I've got for this episode. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. Thank you.